You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. How many of you have asked yourselves recently or you've had somebody else ask you, what is the purpose of everything that's going on right now? Oh yeah, I think all of us. Why is all this happening? Now, uh, a lot of it can be chalked up to just the human condition, human ignorance. But the, the, at the main core of it, why is all this happening? What's the purpose of all this? Uh, have you ever, <laughs> it's the most frustrating thing. My, my mom loves puzzles. Does anybody love puzzles? Putting puzzles together? Yeah? Uh-huh. You have puzzles at home, and you glue them, and you put them together. I don't have time. Kayla, no. I don't have time for it. Just take a picture. Um, just cut out the picture on the front of the box. There it is. There it is. You know why? You know why? Because the one time I told myself, I'm going to put a puzzle together, got all the way down to the end. Where is it? Where is it? Come on, where is it? You're looking everywhere, trying to conjure up in your mind where this is. You're looking in the fridge. You're, you're blaming the dog. You're blaming the neighbor's dog. You know, your children have never done anything. You're like, Everly, did you eat it? What, where is it? What's going on? And of course, as you're, you know, selling the house and cleaning everything up, there it is in between the carpet and the baseboard. After, you, But that, that's why I don't do puzzles anymore, because... You get all the way down to the end, and there's that final piece. I don't want to build up to that only to get to that. And in order for everything to make sense, in order for everything to come together to accomplish the mission, you need the final piece. So that's my message this morning, the, the final piece. Because the, the next pun is completely intended. We're living in a very puzzling time right now. And, and there's so much confusion and conflict and worry and, and fear. And it's hard to make heads or tails out of it all. So if you have the question, what is the reason behind all this? Or if people are coming up to you, and what do you think is the reason? I, I, I just want to give the answer. What I, what I think is the answer. That you could tell the person the next time, here's why I believe biblically this is happening. This is going to be a different message this morning. I think in many ways the message I preached on Wednesday night was a Sunday morning message, and I think the message I'm preaching this morning is, is more of a Wednesday night message. Uh, but I just want to give you what I, what I think the answer is, why all this is happening. I mean, if this time right now was a puzzle, it seems like no matter where you put the pieces, it's just not making sense. What, what's going to bring it all together. There has to be something that makes it fit. There has to be a reason. There has to be something that brings that answer, the, the final piece. I believe there is a final piece. I believe there is a reason for all of this, be, behind all of this. And in order to understand this reason, we're going to look at this story that is taking place in the life of Elijah. And I'm challenging you this morning, in order really to understand this, we have to immerse ourselves in this story. I was talking to our Sunday school class this morning. I think a lot of times, especially when we get to a familiar story, we're tempted just to read over it and not put ourselves in the shoes of these people and think, 
they're people just like me. He's a man just like me or human being just like me. He's going to be feeling a lot of the same things that I would be feeling. And we need to understand Elijah's time. We need to understand his location. We need to understand his emotions. We have to see all of those factors because all of those factors are going to lead up to the moment when God taught Elijah a very important lesson. A lesson about what I'm going to call the final piece. And it's a lesson that we need to learn this morning. Now, the main part of my message is going to be introduction. Usually I introduce and then the rest is, is message. Pretty much the next 85% is going to be introduction. And then at the very end, I'm going to give my message. And there's so much to apply to us today in this, in this passage. It, it's going to be hard for me as a preacher. I just want to load the shotgun and kind of spray it out. But I, I have a sniper bullet today. And if I miss, I have another one. Okay, but, and we'll see if we get to the second one. But I really just want to bring out one thing. Let's go ahead and read uh, 1 Kings 19, verse 9. So this is talking about Elijah. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains. And break, the pieces, uh, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind... An earthquake. Has anyone been through an earthquake before? I've never been through an earthquake. I hear it. that's one of the scariest things that you could ever be, be, go through, one of the scariest disasters you could ever go through. So after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in a mantle. See, Elijah was wearing a mask a long time before the government <laughs> mandated it. And went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he gives the same answer. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshai, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Mahalah, thou shalt anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the word of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet 
I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So he departed thence. Heavenly Father, we need you this morning, and I ask that you would please help us. Help me as a preacher to preach your word, to preach it boldly and clearly. Help us as hearers to hear your word, and not just let it come into our minds, but deep into our hearts. Help us to see the truth of this final peace, and we ask this in your name. Please save the soul nearest hell. I ask this in your name. Amen. This entire story is, in my opinion, one of the most incredible stories in the Bible. Uh, but there's one portion of this story that always intrigued me, and it's the portion where God tells Elijah, go stand on the mount before the Lord, and, as the, Lord, and the Lord passed by. And as the Lord passes by, there comes a great and mighty wind. I got out when Hurricane Harvey came through. But I saw the footage of some of the winds. How many of you stayed behind? God bless you. And the winds got up pretty, pretty high, pretty high here. I mean, just not very far as the crow flies north of here. Uh, category 4 winds. And you saw the damage that those winds could do. And, I mean, but this wind here, rent. Have you ever seen a tree impaled by a piece of straw because of wind? You ever seen, I mean, huge oak trees uprooted because of wind? Uh, that same tree, if you would have run into it with your car at 100 miles per hour, wouldn't have budged. But God brings a wind, and it's coming down. This wind was so strong, it starts rending, ripping the mountain where Elijah is at. Mount Horeb, you know where that is? Mount Sinai. Rending the mountains, breaking the rocks apart. Now, let's, again, put ourselves in the shoes of Elijah. You're in a cave. The Lord tells you, go stand before me. And this wind comes, wind so strong that the mountain around you is starting to rip and fall apart. How are you feeling right now? Okay, keep yourself in his shoes. Keep yourself in his, in his sandals. After the wind, an earthquake makes sense if all these rocks are falling around and the earth is shifting because of the wind. It's going to keep shifting and ripping and moving. And the whole mountain is shaking. And if Elijah's standing before, he's on, his, he's on his face now, grabbing onto something. And after the earthquake of fire, now not much can match the rage and the fury of a fire. If you've ever been around a, an uncontrolled fire, I don't think you, you could feel more helpless. One time there was a house next to our church in, in, at Northwest up in Elgin and we passed by it going by for a, a teen activity and it was engulfed in flames. It was one of the most angry things I've ever seen. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 30 there are some things that are never satisfied. The barren womb is never satisfied. He says the fire, the fire is never satisfied. It's always going to consume more and more and more. It's hot. 
It's loud. A fire is loud, deafening loud. And this fire begins raging all around him. And if this spectacle doesn't fascinate you, it fascinates me. Everything that is happening right now to Elijah. But just when you think the story can't get any more intriguing, the, the Bible says something so interesting about each of those events. The Lord was not in the wind. The Lord was not in the earthquake. The Lord was not in the fire. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means Elijah looked for God in the wind. He looked for God in the earthquake. He looked for God in the fire, but God was not in it. Now, does that mean that the Lord didn't allow those things? No, nothing ever happens without the Lord allowing it. But just because God allows something doesn't mean he's in it. Now, we can agree with that, but then the question comes in my mind, if God was not in it, then why allow it? If God wasn't in it, then why send it? If God wasn't in the wind or the earthquake or the fire, then why did those events occur? Now, in order to find this answer, we need to think again about where Elijah is. So at this point in the story, how are you as Elijah? Fearful? Questioning? Wondering? You're in a cave in the middle of an earthquake, probably thinking it's going to collapse all around you. And then as soon as it stops shaking, oh, everything's on fire. And I'm just going to give a little bit of my message now. Doesn't that seem like what's going on now? Everything's blowing and shaking and burning. Okay, that's how you're feeling right now as Elijah. Well, let's, let's think about what brought Elijah to this point. Elijah comes on the scene in 1 Kings 17. And immediately God commissions him to stand before Ahab. And you're going to tell Ahab, because of the idolatry in the land, Ahab married Jezebel, and Jezebel taught everybody how to worship Baal. And more so than any king before him, the Bible says, he turned the hearts, and they turned the hearts of God's people to worship Baal more than any other people, any other king before. And Elijah stands before Ahab and says, because of all of this, there's no rain for three years. No rain, no dew for three years. How do you think that's going to affect a culture of people like Israel that depend on crops in order to live? For three years. We've been going through this for two months. We're saying, done. Three years. That happens. Elijah goes to the brook Cherith, has to stay there. He's fed by ravens and drinking from that brook until it dies off. And then he goes to the widow at Zarephath. He's fed by her, taken care of by her. And right at the end of those three years, God tells Elijah, it's time to go back. You're going to go back and you're going to see Ahab. And as soon as Ahab sees Elijah, the man of God, the one who is doing everything he can to obey and to see God's people come back, as soon as Ahab sees him, he points his finger in his face and says, you're the one. You're the one who's troubling Israel. You're the reason all of this is happening. Now, some of us have thin skin. Some of us have thick skin. I don't care how thick your skin is. 
you come back to the people that you love, you come back to the king that you have probably prayed for and, and care about and want to see more than anything to repent and come back to the Lord, and he doesn't see you as your friend, he says, you're the enemy. There you are. And look at what, look at what um, Elijah says, uh, verse, uh, chapter 18, verse 18. Ahab says, art thou he that troubleth Israel? And in verse 18, and Elijah answered, he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send, we're going to put an end to this, therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal 450, and the prophets of the grove 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. In the king's palace, 850 false prophets. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. Elijah's emotional state right now, possibly frustrated, thinking, I'm not the enemy. I'm here to help. I'm here to tell you the truth. This three years of drought has affected me just like anybody else. I'm not the enemy. Bring everybody together. Bring the people together. Bring God's people so that I could talk to them and look at what happens. Verse 21, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. As a preacher, as a prophet, to have a burden on your heart, this is what we need to do. We need to follow God. We need to do what's right. Not one person moved. So no wonder his reaction is the is his reaction in the next verse, verse 22. I'm the only one left, obviously. Fine. Me against you. My God against your God. Showdown. Build an altar, they build that altar. And in the country that Elijah was sent to, in the nation that was supposed to be separate, the nation that was supposed to be a holy nation, separated, belonging only to God for the next six to nine hours, Elijah witnesses hundreds of prophets praying to Baal instead of the Lord. So deep in their devotion to Baal, trying to call down fire onto this altar, they even start standing on the altar willing to sacrifice themselves so that Baal will send down fire. This is happening in the nation of Israel. When Baal doesn't send it, they start grabbing stones and knives and cutting themselves. The Bible says their blood gushed upon the altar. What's going through your mind, Elijah? Are you encouraged right now? Are you brokenhearted right now? He finally says, we're done. We're done with all this. Stop it. Stop it. And then read the chapter. Notice Elijah repaired the altar. Nobody helped him. He repaired the altar. He dug a trench. He prepared the bullock. 
He has 12. He, he finally gets some help, probably because he can't do it anymore. Gets some help and puts 12 barrels on top of this altar in a drought. 12 barrels of water on top of this. The, the Bible says it's drenched with water and it's filled the trench around it. And he prays a 63-word prayer. And the people say, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. You think? And look at what he says here now in these next verses. Verse 39. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they took them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. And Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. After three years of drought, at the prayer of Elijah, it starts pouring rain. Talk about a victory. After three years of drought, uh, because of re rebellion, years and years of rebellion, the prophets of Baal have been soundly defeated, the Lord has clearly showed himself to be God. All the prophets are now slain. Rain returns again to the land, and Ahab saw all of it. He was there. He saw all of it. Now, after all that Elijah has done, do you think he's a little physically tired right now? After all the work that he's done in slaying on his own 450, well, I believe 850 prophets, on his own, with a sword. And in fact, look at what, look at what the, the Bible says in verse 42. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. I think he's exhausted, physically, mentally. But he tells Ahab, you need to go back to Jezreel. From Mount Carmel to Jezreel, about 17 miles. Ahab gets in his chariot and starts riding back to Jezreel. The Bible says the hand of the Lord comes upon Elijah. Elijah girds up his loins and he outruns Ahab's chariot for 17 miles and beats Ahab back to Jezreel. Now, what do you think Elijah is thinking all the way back? This is it. This is it. After years of rebellion, Ahab saw all of this. How can he not change? He's going to change. Baal is obviously not God. We're going to get back to Jezreel, and there's going to be revival breaking out. Look in chapter 19. Verse 1, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also. If I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. There's no revival coming, Elijah. Tomorrow you're dead. Look in verse 3. When he saw that, he arose and went for his life. 
came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left a servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. Said it's enough. It is enough now. O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. I failed. What else is there to do? What else can I do? Within a day, he's gone from the heights of victory, tiresome victory, burdensome victory, but victory, down to the depths of despair. The Lord feeds him, tells him to take a, take a nap. But for 40 more days, get this, for 40 more days, Elijah stays in this emotional state of defeat and discouragement. And he, it takes him 40 days to get from a mile, just a little a mile outside of the south of Israel's borders, all the way to Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai. Now look, it was a big journey, about 260 miles, but it shouldn't take you 40 days. The same man that went from 17 miles and outran a chariot now takes 40 days dragging his feet all the way to Mount Sinai. How are you feeling as Elijah right now? But it's so bad. L listen to this. Notice this. It's so bad. He begins living in a cave. God asks him a very pointed question. What are you doing here? What doest thou here, Elijah? And Elijah gives an honest answer. It's the wrong answer. But he gives an honest answer. I'm here because I've done everything. I can to serve you, but the people of Israel won't change. They've forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've killed your prophets. I'm the only one left, and all they want to do with me is kill me. I think Elijah was saying, I don't want to give them the satisfaction. Lord, you do it. Now, Elijah was wrong in what he was doing. Elijah wasn't alone, and he's going to learn that in just a little bit. But James 5.17 says, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. How would you be feeling right now after everything that Elijah has just gone through? And it's here where we pick up where we left off. Elijah is so discouraged. This is the key. He's so discouraged, so despondent, so downtrodden that even when God tries to speak to him, he has nothing. He wants nothing. What are you doing here, Elijah? This is why I'm here. So God is going to teach him a lesson. Okay, Elijah, go stand on the mount before the Lord. And in quick succession, a wind, a strong wind, a great and mighty wind that came before the Lord. As the Lord passed by, he sent something before him. A great and mighty wind that rends the mountains and the rocks, and then an earthquake that shakes all around him. He thinks the cave is going to come in, and then the fire comes, heat beyond belief, flames roaring like lions around him. Now, I'd, I don't care what emotional state you may be in. Right now, Elijah's attention has been arrested. He's paying attention. 
But try as he might, he's looking around, where's God in the wind? No. Is God in the earthquake? No. Is God in the fire? No, God's not there. And when it seems the flames are going to devour him and all this chaos is around him, And after the fire, a still, small voice. Let me ask you, whose voice do you think that was? Oh, yeah. Same voice that just came to him before. And said, what doest thou here, Elijah? This is what I'm doing here. And now he hears that voice again, and he's thinking, oh, boy. And he takes his mantle, and he covers up. What doest thou here, Elijah? Now, he gives the same answer. And when people don't put themselves in their position of Elijah, they think, see, it didn't work. Just a stubborn old man. No, I think what happened in verse 10 was a complaint. I think in verse 14, he knew, Lord, I've already told you why I'm here. I can't change it. Now he is, verse 10 is a complaint. Verse 14 is a confession. Lord, this is why I'm here. Because this is how I feel. And this is what I believe. And the Lord tells him, you know what you need to do right now, Elijah? Go return. You're not where you belong. Go return. There's still a job to do. You need to anoint these people. You need to find Elisha. And by the way, there's 7,000 people that I have kept from bowing the knee to Baal. And the same man, the same man that wanted to quit and die just a little before goes back to work. And he finds Elisha. And he keeps doing what he's supposed to be doing. Now, again, this was all introduction. But I'm going to ask some questions here. Question number one, what do you believe changed Elijah's heart? Do you think it was the wind and the earthquake and the fire? How could those things? God wasn't in those things. Or do you think it was the still, small voice that came after? Question number two, what if God wouldn't have allowed the wind and the earthquake, and the fire. What if God did not send those things before? Do you think Elijah would have listened to the still, small voice? Now, I think the hint to that answer, I think the answer is no, because in verse 9, when God first asked him, what doest thou here? He says, this is why I'm here. I mean, in verse 10, his face is firm. Verse 14, his face is covered. Okay, question number three. What if God had only allowed the wind and the earthquake and the fire, but then never spoke in the still small voice? What if he would have told Elijah, go and stand before the mountain of the Lord, and all he sees is wind and earthquake and fire, and he looks for God in it, but he's not there. He doesn't find God at all, and then there's just nothing. Think Elijah would have gone back to his ministry? If Elijah was in a low emotional state before, how do you think he would be feeling after? He sees all this wind and earthquake and fire and God's not in it anywhere. And then nothing. 
I think he would be even more scared, have even more questions, be wondering even more. Certainly not comforted, certainly not encouraged. So here's my last question. Could it be that even though God wasn't in the wind and in the earthquake and the fire, God allowed those things to happen. God sent those events before him and used them to get Elijah's attention so that Elijah would listen. Now, it's at this point in the message where I knew it was either going to hit home or it was going to fall flat. So I hope it's hitting home. Do you see how this applies to us today? You're, you're looking around everywhere and the world seems to be going crazy. Crazier and crazier every day. As I look around, I see a lot of things God's not in. Listen to me, God's not in the riots. God's not in the, the racial divide in this world. God made one race. The human race. God help anybody who is going to use the color of somebody's skin. The origin of their forefathers to judge them. We're all in the same boat. Sinners on their way to hell unless Jesus comes down and saves us. And Jesus didn't say, I only died for the black people. I only died for the white people. I only died for the yellow people. Red and yellow, black and white. They're precious in his sight. God's not in all of that. He is not in the government dependency that's happening right now. He is not in the anarchy. In America, we can just block off parts of our city and say no law here. He's not in that. He's not in the chaos. So then the question is, well, God, if God's not in it, then why is he allowing it? If God's not in it, then what's the purpose of it all? I don't see how else God's going to get our attention. And even though he's not in it, I think God allows some things to finally get people's attention. He uses it to get people's attention so that we would listen. Look around. Why else do we think everything is happening? Do we think God has forgotten about us? Are we, are we just deists now who believe, yeah, God's there, but he doesn't care? Do we believe God's forgotten about us? No. Do we believe God wants to destroy us? Please. He doesn't have to do anything other than, <coughs> we'd be done. It's of his mercies we are not consumed. He doesn't want to destroy us. Or can we believe, can we believe that the reason God allows things that blow and shake and burn this world is to get our attention so that we can finally listen, so that he can bring this world to a point where we're ready to hear the only thing that will ever change a heart, and that's his word. The still small voice of his word. I believe that's the final piece, the reason behind it all. Because there are people all over this world right now who God has been trying to speak to for a long time. 
He's been trying to get their attention for a long time, just like he did for Elijah. He gave Elijah a chance. He didn't just immediately win, earthquake, fire. No, Elijah, what are you doing here? And I think if Elijah would have come back humbly and said, this is what I'm doing here, I don't, I don't know that this would have happened. But people, now Elijah was in the depths of despair, but you may be in the depths of despair. You may be in the depths of confusion. You may be elated. You may be, I don't know what it is, but all around I see people whose hearts are in no position to listen to God's word. They're just going and minding their own business, doing their own thing, and when God confronts them with his word, they're in no position to listen. This is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm going here. This is why I'm not doing that. So God, listen, God wants to speak. Right now there are people who will listen to God's word that have never listened before because of everything that's going on right now. And it is a shame. It is a shame. We should be ashamed of ourselves as God's people and as, as people in this world that the Lord has died for. We should be ashamed of ourselves that when God wants to speak to us many times, the only time he can get our attention is by blowing and shaking and burning everything around us so that we can finally think, oh, I guess we better listen. In 2001, an attack rocked this country. And the pews were full. That, that Wednesday the day after, and that Sunday the day after, the pews were full. Within a decade... Within a decade, we're praising the people who brought that attack on our country. Our president is apologizing to, to those people. And now, not even 20 years later, the same people that were in the pews in 2001 are riding in the streets saying, burn it down. Now, let me be careful. I'm not trying to do a blanket statement. You, I think you understand that. I'm talking about the people to whom the shoe fits. But what I'm trying to bring out is God brought, was God in that attack? But I saw him use it to get people's attention for just a little bit. But I feel like we've lost it again. And in fact, I believe all of us can confess to times where God had to send wind and earthquake and fire in our lives to bring us on a head-on collision course with his word. And when we finally listened to what he had to say, that is when our heart changed. Now my heart is so convicted right now and burdened. I, I, I don't want you to think that I'm, that I'm angry at a certain group of people or, or anything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to show you my heart in this. All I'm trying to bring out is now more than ever, 
I think we need to tune out all the noise of this world and listen to what God has to say. If we don't listen right now to what God has to say, if we don't seek his word more than we ever have before and stay in his word, even after the wind and the earthquake and the fire leaves, stay in his word. I fear if we don't listen right now, we're going to miss the purpose of it all. The puzzle is going to be incomplete. God wants to speak to you. Let him speak to you. So here's my message now. That was my introduction. Here's my message. The first sniper bullet. Let him speak to you. Be in church. Read your Bible. Don't just read it. Meditate on it. Listen to it. And remember... When God desires to speak to somebody, many times he needs somebody to speak through to that somebody. So here's the second sniper bullet. Let God speak through you during this time. Do you realize how many people who wouldn't have listened three months ago are going to listen now? Because God has gotten their attention. And they don't understand everything. And if we're not careful, we're going to do like Elijah. Elijah was much in the wind and the earthquake and the fire in his ministry, wasn't he? And he comes back and he's thinking, everything's going to be better. But no, no what's going on? What, what more can be done? Elijah, you're missing the last part. And you're missing the still, small voice. You don't realize that if you just go back, go return and preach the way that you've always preached, these people's hearts are going to be prepared to listen more now than they ever have been. And a lot of times Christians right now are saying, well, I can't believe how everyone in the world can see everything that's going on and not change. But we can't expect the wind and the earthquake and the fire to do what only God's word can do. And if our gospel be hid, it's going to be hidden to them. So let God speak to you and let God speak through you. Jesus died for every single person in this world. The ones who are blind, the ones who are their eyes are spiritually opened, the black, the white, the Muslims, the, the Christians, the, the Catholics, the Mormons, whatever. The Lord died for every single one of those people. And all of them right now are seeing the wind and the earthquake and the fire, and they're all going to seek to their place to find an answer to it all. You know where the answer is. And as you let God speak to you, then see your job to speak to those people. Let God speak through you to those people. Show them God's love. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.com. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.